from the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World. Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. Hey everybody, Ryan Dorn here and welcome to the Sales Training World broadcast. Video, audio, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, you name it, we're here for you. YouTube as well. Uh, starting off this month, we're taking the podcast and also putting it on YouTube as well. So we're thrilled to have you here as we, uh, our goal is pretty simple, to help you take your sales life uh, to places that you never thought possible. I'm sure you've got dreams, you've got aspirations, things that you want to do with your sales career. We're here to help you with that. Whether it's training your team or helping you with coaching, you name it, we're here to help you no matter where you are in your sales career. We span 20 to 25 different industries at Sales Training World, and we actively sell every day just like all of you. So as we walk through these things, this isn't the theoretical. This isn't a 50,000-foot view or something like that. What we're talking about is tactical and practical training advice and coaching that'll help you take your sales life to places that you only dreamed possible. All right, we've got questions, uh, our viewer questions and listener questions coming in. Um, we've got uh, Julie in Denver, a great question there on call volume. Uh, David from Davenport. David, great question on cold calling. And does cold calling still work? So we're going to get to that. And then we've got Renee uh, from Boston, all the way on the East Coast, Boston in the house. And um, want to talk about email technology. And then we're going to also focus in on the sales roadmap for success is we're going to talk about in our training section today. Hey, if you've got a question or a comment, concern, even a criticism, that's fine. Drop me an email, ryan at brainswellmedia.com. That's our main company, ryan at brainswellmedia.com. And also don't forget, check out the Sales Training World website um, for all kinds of information about us helping your teams. All right, let's talk about the sales call roadmap for success. I've got it right here in front of me. Now, this is my sales call roadmap that I use each and every time I'm on a sales call. Now, there's all kinds of different sales calls, but one of the biggest problems that I hear people say is, Ryan, every sales call is different. Well, sort of. It's kind of like saying every hamburger is different. They all are comprised of beef. They're probably going to have some type of salt, lettuce, tomato, pickle, a bun. I mean, they're, they're all going to have similar characteristics. In the end, yeah, there's going to be a difference in flavoring, maybe a difference in taste, and things like that. But a hamburger is a hamburger is a hamburger. So a sales call is a sales call is a sales call. So what do we do to improve our chances of success? I like to think of it as a football team or as a basketball team or a soccer team or whatever. Why is it that our favorite teams run plays over and over and over again? Well, because they know that it's better than being random. Being random would be, all right, the quarterback takes the football and says, listen, when I say hike, Y'all run out there and somebody catch the pass. Well, that's a very random way of, of running a football program. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Even if you're not a sports fan, I think that will make sense to you. So what we want to do is try to figure out, is there a roadmap? Is there a playbook? Is there something that occurs um, in our everyday sales life on these calls that will help us, you know, really take our sales calls to a new place 
And I think there is. There's basically six steps. I'm going to walk you through this roadmap today. And also, I'm going to put a link uh, in the podcast where you can download this roadmap from Dropbox as well. All right, so let's first start out. Number one, my first step is time validation and setting a call agenda. So my first step is time validation and setting a call agenda. So what do I mean by that? Time validation is, hi, Bob. Hi, Julie. Thank you for the 20 minutes that you gave me. Do we still have 20 minutes today? And that's something that I very often teach. I've learned over the course of time. It psychologically sets a timer in the prospect's mind. Now, a lot of trainers don't teach this. Oh, Ryan, we don't want to be limited on time. The worst thing that you can ever do is not tell a prospect when the sales call is going to be over. They're sitting there thinking to themselves, all right, man, how long is this going to take? That's why I validate the time and I set an agenda as my very first step. So I might say, hi, Bob, thank you for the 20 minutes. Do we still have 20 minutes? He's like, sure, yeah, that's great. Then I'm going to say there are three main things that I wanted to focus on on our call today. Number one, I'd love to share with you some examples of business owners like you that have had great success partnering or working with us. Number two, I'd like to share with you some ideas uh, that I think you're going to love. And number three, I'd like to figure out if this is going to fit, you know, into the grand scheme of things with what you guys are trying to do. So whether you're trying to sell telecom or you're selling finance services or advertising or whatever it is that you're trying to do, my first step is to psychologically set up my call for success. Now, I learned about this agenda and time piece. I learned about it kind of in two ways universally. Number one, I'm the son of a preacher. Uh, So my dad was a preacher for years. And he said, Ryan, one of the fears of somebody sitting in church is that the preacher is going to go long. So one of the things he said I always did was put an outline in the bulletin. I set an agenda as I began to talk. The other reason I like to validate time is I want people to know that I'm serious about their time. I don't want to waste their time. That's why I validate time and I always set an agenda. Whether I'm in person, whether I'm on the phone, whether I'm doing a sales presentation, doesn't matter. Step number one, time validation and setting a call agenda. Very, very important. Okay, number two is when I'm going to build my trust. I'm going to set my rapport in place, but I'm going to build it fast. One of the worst things that you can do is follow that old school advice where you walk into someone's office and you look around the office and try to make conversation. That's called being fake, and it's fake conversation. And millennial buyers hate it more than anybody else. But also, most people find it to be moderately disingenuous. So rapport building for me is not as much based upon their personal life and the personal things that they love. Rapport building is more based around me being well-researched and looking around their office and seeing things, but more importantly, going back to my notes, to my client dossier, and looking and seeing what are things that are doing on Facebook, what are things that I'm seeing in the news on their website, maybe I read about them with my Google Alerts. See, I track all my clients through Google Alerts so I can see what it is that they're doing. If you don't know what a Google Alert is, Google Google Alerts and you know and check that out. But I'm also going to say, hey, I saw on your Facebook page that you guys are doing this. I saw on your website through a news release that you're doing this. It's very simple. In preparation for our meeting, I was doing some research on your company, and I found these two or three things. Tell me more about that. Now, with that said, I'm also going to look at that person's LinkedIn profile in advance of our conversation. 
if there are things that are good connection points, I'm going to use those things to my advantage. So if I can look at that LinkedIn profile and realize that we have an alumni connection, we both have a fondness for Boston, Chicago, or whatever, if I can look down through their profile or their resume and see that they've worked at similar places that I know about, that can be very, very beneficial to me. So building rapport is not about walking into somebody's office and seeing golf clubs and going, oh, are you into golf? That's just, that's a waste of time. Oh, the weather outside, the weather's great today. That's the kind of stuff that, that old school sales reps do. And quite honestly, it doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work in today's environment is because honestly, people are not in need of more relationships. They're just not. It's not that relationship selling is dead. I just want to be a little more succinct when I'm building rapport quickly. All right, my third step is to recognize that I don't ask open-ended questions just to get the conversation going. That's my third step. I stop in my brain. I recognize I've got to throw out those strategies that say, the first thing you need to do, Ryan, is do a needs assessment. Tell me about your goals. Tell me about your desires. Tell me, Bob, what keeps you up at night? Okay, those type of things um, are disingenuous at best, and it reeks of old school sales. Now, am I not am I a, a, not a fan of old school sales strategies? I'm, I'm not because I've lived it. I mean, I loved it. I lived it. I've just recognized it's not working with most of my buyers today. They want something right now. They want me to give it to them really, really quickly. They're not, in, they're not trying to endear themselves to me. I don't have to take them to dinner, to a ball game, things like that. It's become a lot more transactional. Now, obviously, it depends what you're selling, the price of the product, and things like that. Lower-priced products are a lot more transactional by nature. Multi-million-dollar projects usually require a lot more hand-holding and a lot more relationship building. But recognize a simple fact is this. If your strategy is based upon a book from 1986, you might want to look at that copyright carefully. The 80s are calling. They want you back. We're going to have to change our strategies if we're going to be competitive in today's environment. So rather than asking a lot of questions off the top, what I'd rather do is focus in on three succinct and brief success stories. And that's my fourth step, sharing success stories. Now, why do I share success stories? Because most buyers are adverse to risk and they're adverse to change. So to get them over the risk and change problem, I'm focusing in on sharing success stories. I simply say this, may I briefly share with you three examples of businesses like yours that are absolutely loving our relationship or have loved partnering with love with us or love working with us. May I briefly share those with you. I have never, knock on wood, knock, 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 never had someone say to me, heck no, I don't want to hear about other people's success. What are you, crazy? Instead, most people like to hear about success. It also allows me to prime the conversation, meaning I'm priming the conversation in a positive way because people are adverse to risk and they're adverse to change. It allows me to prime the conversation in a very positive way. It's one of my biggest strategies. I don't start off with questions. Instead, I start off by sharing success stories. All right, my next step is I really want to focus in on the ideas that I have brought to the table. Now, at this point, I may need to ask one of my critical questions. And now, the critical questions are really going to depend upon your industry. So for example, if you're in the media business, one of the critical questions you might ask is, 
if we could create the perfect ad for you or ad campaign, what would you want to have happen? Okay, so that might be a critical question. If you're in the software business, if this piece of software could solve one big problem for you, what would that problem be? That might be a critical question. You might have five or six or eight or ten critical questions. Maybe you're in the telecom business. You might say, what would it mean to you if we could reduce your telecom costs by 35%? What would that mean to you? Every every industry is going to have different critical questions. So that's a that's a side note. You need to ask yourself, do I have wonderful critical questions? Or am I saying things like, you know, Bob, you know, what keeps you up at night? What are the big burning problems that you have here at the company? I want to try to be a lot more specific based upon my industry. So after I share success stories is when I'm going to begin to ask my critical questions questions. Now remember, don't ask questions just to ask questions. Ask questions to lead you to be able to present your options, your strategies, your ideas right there on the spot. Be prepared. So that moves us on to our next step, which is present your ideas, present your solutions, present what it is that you can do. One of the worst things that I see happen in the sales business today is salespeople that go out on quote-unquote discovery calls. That's all that they do. They don't go out to share anything. They don't go out to solve problems. They go out to discover. Now, because of that, that's very beneficial to you as a salesperson, but it's actually not beneficial to your client because they've given you time expecting something. Now, if you are a fan of the good old-fashioned needs assessment... I'd love for you to go back last year in Sales and Management Magazine. They had a study that SAP did, and that study basically said, I'm I'm not quoting it exactly, paraphrasing it, said 89% of buyers would rather go to the dentist than sit through a needs assessment. So recognize that the vast majority of people don't want to sit through a needs assessment. Now, they're fine with the conversation. They're fine with you sharing success stories. They're fine with you presenting solutions to them, to their problems. What they typically don't want, though, is to be interrogated. And that's what needs and needs assessments very often do. So it's important to revamp your sales strategy as you follow this roadmap. Make some assumptions. One of the strongest things you can do is be an assumptive-based salesperson. Here's what you say. When you're getting ready to present your ideas, in preparation for our meeting, I put together several ideas I think that you're going to love. Whatever your industry is, or if you have one piece of software to sell, that's it. You might say, in preparation for our meeting, I I was thinking that you might say A, B, and C. Or, based on what you've shared with me today, I can really see how our solutions will fix this problem, this problem, and this problem for you. If you still haven't gotten your answer of what you need from them, ask questions. Ask things. If this software could solve a problem, if this machine could solve a problem, if this apparatus could solve a problem, if this device could change one thing for you, if we could help you bring even one new customer into this office, what would that mean to you? Then you present your ideas on the spot. Share solutions to those problems. Now, you might be in a business where you've got to leave to be able to come back to the person to present a solution. I hope that's not the case. I hope that what you're presenting is simple enough 
that you can come to that meeting with some ideas ready to go, recognizing that most buyers in today's environment, they want solutions and they want them right now. They don't have a lot of time for this back and forth type of baloney. Okay, after I present my ideas and my solutions, that's when I begin my soft closes. And my most common soft close is, so what do you think? That's it. So what do you think? And then get their feedback. Then what I like to do from a soft close perspective, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, I like to do what I refer to as the match game close. Okay, the match game close. And what the match game close says or means is throughout the sales call, I've taken notes. One, two, three, four, five. I've taken notes. Then what I do is I go back through those notes. I compare what they said were problems or issues. And then I present ideas back to them on what we talked about that will solve those problems. So let me as an example. I might say, uh, Bob, thank you so much for the time today. In, in an effort to be judicious with our time and be respectful of your time, I'd love to close with this. You said that you needed this, and we told you we could do this. You said you desired this, and we showed you we could do that. You said you needed this, and we said that we could do this for you. Uh, when comparing those, it seems like we're a perfect match. We're a perfect fit. What do you think? And I usually will say then, what do you feel is a good next step together? And if they try to go uh, put me off, then I'm going to go into my sales follow-up strategy, which is my very, very last step. And that is you must control the follow-up plan. So important, friends. You have to control the follow-up plan. You have to control the follow-up agenda. It's so important for everybody listening and watching this month. You have to control the follow-up. If you let the prospect control the follow-up, oh my gosh, that train can come off the rails really, really freaking fast. So recognize you need to control the follow-up. So Ryan, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? I would say, you know, hey, Janice, thank you so much for the time today. And I'm really thrilled that you're going to be thinking about this over the next week. What I'd love to do is I'd love, let's grab our phones. Let's set a time to follow up together. I don't want to be one of those salespeople that's going to call you 50,000 times, email you 50,000 times, send you 10,000 texts. That's not the relationship that I want to have with you. Instead, what I'd love for us to do is just set up a time for a phone call to follow up. If your answer is yes, great. If your answer is no, I'm going to respect your no. If your answer is I need more information, I'll get it for you. If your answer is I need more time, not a problem. I just want to get it on the calendar so I can be respectful of your time and so we can make sure we don't miss each other. And I get it on the calendar right then and there. Put it on the calendar, invite her to the meeting, say, did you get it? I did. Did you accept it? Yes. You control the follow-up. It's a vividly important piece of the overall puzzle. Now, check in the description of the podcast, check in the description of the YouTube video. I'm going to send you this, uh, or you can download rather, this sales call roadmap if you don't have one to follow. But don't let every call be different. Every sales call, you should be looking for what are the things that worked and you want to repeat those. What are the stories that I told that worked? What are the jokes that I said that worked? What did I say and do that really resonated with my clients? And you want to rinse and repeat those. Record yourself. Take your phone. Take your cell phone with you. All right, go and put this cell phone right here. Put that phone in your lap and record your conversation. 
so that you can open yourself up to constructive criticism and you can really begin to learn from this overall conversation. Every call doesn't have to be different, friends. Every sales call can follow a pattern for success. You just need a pattern to follow. As a company, you need a sales call roadmap. As a person, you need a sales call roadmap. Just remember, I mean, if sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not. So we're either crazy, <laughs> just possible, or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. Look to make some changes in your sales life today. And I really believe you can see some great improvement. All right, friends, hope you find that helpful. Let's move on to our favorite part, my favorite part uh, of the program, besides uh, sharing some training advice with you. And that's our listener and viewer questions. So we've got questions coming in from Julie from Denver, David from Davenport, and Renee from Boston. Uh, they sent in their questions to Ryan at BrainSwellMedia.com. That's our main company over here, BrainSwellMedia.com. So it's just really easy, Ryan at BrainSwellMedia.com. So all right, let's start. And all these folks are going to get a Sales Training World t-shirt. Uh, for uh, sending in these questions. So make sure you uh, give us your mailing address. We'll send those out to you. All right, Julie from Denver. Uh, good question. Question is, Ryan, why is there such a focus on call volume? Well, Julie, I think the reason there's such a focus on call volume is because of the law of large numbers. Most sales managers, I assume that you're talking about in the prospecting uh, process, most sales managers, and I would agree, we follow the law of large numbers scenario, which means the more calls that you make, the more likely it is you're going to get a demo or a meeting or whatever. And the more meetings or demos that you have, the more likely it is that you're going to exceed your sales goals. Now, where I differ from a lot of sales managers on the call volume uh, paradigm or the idea is that I would rather you be making perfect calls than massive amounts of calls. So what I like to do and what I teach is a top 20, a top 30, a big 50, a big one, a list, a number. So let me talk to you about the top 20 very briefly. We've talked about it before here on the broadcast. The top 20 is really all about me having 20 perfect customers for my business or whatever that I'm going to be reaching out to because I think they're a perfect fit. And I'm going to email them perfectly. I'm going to call them perfectly. I'm going to market to them perfectly. So I like to work a you know a top 20 list. Now that people always ask, Ryan, is that 20 in 30 days? Is it 20 in two weeks? It's always 20. So I have a list of 20 that I'm working in an effort to get a meeting with them. So if number one on my list is John Doe, and I get a hold of John Doe and I set a meeting with him, he comes off of my top 20. Somebody else goes on to my top 20. So I always have a list of 20 and I'm working a pattern very, very specifically. My pattern is easy. I reach out to people every three business days. It's very straightforward. First, I try to call them and then I try to email them. And then I wait three business days and I call them again and I email them again. A different subject line, a different email, a different voicemail. And I follow those templated patterns. And I think you're going to find that to be very, very successful. So, Julie, the focus is really about the law of large numbers. You could potentially say to your boss, your manager or whatever, you could say, listen, I understand the call volume piece. I get it. You want us to make a lot of calls. What if we just took a slightly different approach to that? And that is rather than just calling random people, why don't we take a more strategic approach and let's build a top 20 list based upon perfect clients for our product or our service? 
And that's something you might consider. So, um, Julie, I don't think you're going to get away from the call volume discussion because typically it works out. I would just want to slightly tweak it. And I think you might have some good success. Good question, Julie from Denver. My brother Gabriel lives out in Denver, owns the Denver Film Company. So if you're out in the Denver area and you need video work done, reach out to Gabriel at the Denver Film Company. Love Denver. All right, David from Davenport. I'm guessing probably Davenport, Iowa. Could it be? Uh, David from Davenport in the Midwest. Um, Does cold calling still work? I am uh, in a business where we are required to make 40 cold calls every day and I'm getting absolutely no response. Does cold calling still work? Good question, David, uh, from Davenport. Um, David, yes, cold calling does still work. There's been a lot of books out there uh, written about, you know, cold calling is dead, the death of cold calling. And I do believe that cold calling does work as long as it's a part of a greater plan. Cold calling in and of itself, it doesn't usually generate the results that most companies need. So as we were talking about with Julie, it's not that cold calling doesn't work, but I want to cold call with a purpose. I want to email a cold client with a purpose. And so, David, I think that you want to be recognizing that when you're emailing somebody, you want to figure out what can you say in that email or what can you leave in that voicemail that's going to be impactful to that person. Can you save them money? Can you save them time? Those are two of the biggest things. And Or can you make them money? Can you save them money? Can you save them time? Can you make them money? Those are three really, really important things to most business owners. So, you know, for me, cold calling only works when you're specific. Calling somebody and just being generic really doesn't work. The other piece is after you've made 30 calls, you're probably like me, David, you're tired and you need more coffee. You sound that way. So really recognize that it's vividly important that you make sure during the cold calling process, you're really specific. Be highly relevant. Be very, very specific. Make sure you're mentioning ways that you can save them time, save them money, um, you know, whatever you can do. Save them time, save them money, or make them money. Those are all things that are important. Also, though, you work within a particular industry. David, I don't know much, a lot about your particular industry, but there's also industry issues that you can help people solve. So, you know, for example, um, if you're in the building trade space, you know, do you want to reduce waste? Do you want to hire better people? Um, Do you want to lower uh, construction costs? Do you want to increase safety? Those type of general things. But I really would like you to be specific as well. So, David, I think cold calling works as long as it's a part of a greater plan. So as I told Julie, I like to call first, be specific, leave a voicemail, then send an email, be specific in the email, and then follow up every three-day pattern, every three uh, business days. So uh, David from Davenport, my parents live just north of Davenport uh, in uh, the state of Iowa. David from Davenport, thanks so much uh, for your question. Love these questions. Keep them coming. Ryan at brainswellmedia.com is where those questions will go. All right, Renee from Boston. Renee, I will be in Boston next week. I don't think I'm working for your company, but that'd be awesome. Uh, Be in Boston. Love the greater Boston area. Great places to eat. Uh, Fun, fun city. All right, Ryan, you mentioned in your email webinar about technology that helps you be more efficient. Can you mention those items again and tell us why you use them? Absolutely. Technology is a a very important part of the total sales process. If you're old school like me, and I think I've hated enough on old school sales today, you know, to uh, to get us through uh, for the month. 
So some email technology that I love, there's two or three tools that I use on a very regular basis. Now, whether you're using Outlook or you're using Gmail, which are the two most common uh, ways to, to use email, I'll share some technology on both fronts. In Gmail and Outlook, I love the tool Boomerang. Boomerang is a tool that's going to cost you, I think it's like 25 bucks a year or something like that. It's very affordable. What Boomerang allows you to do in Gmail and in Outlook is it allows you to schedule emails to go at a certain time in the future, which is great. If you're going to be out of the office, you can set them to go at a certain time. You can also then get read receipts when someone responds back. But what I love most about Boomerang is that I'm going to write an email to Bob, and at the bottom I'm going to say, if Bob doesn't reply, click the box, in three days, boomerang it back to me. And then it's going to boomerang it back to me to the top of my inbox if Bob doesn't reply within a certain period of time. And I find that to be really, really helpful. Now, I'm going to use my CRM to keep up with my clients. I get that. But within my inbox, boomerang will bring things back up to the top, which is awesome. Also, I'm one of those people, I like to write a lot of emails on Saturday mornings, get up early, drink my coffee, got a bunch of cleanup to do from the week. So I spend about an hour responding to emails. What I don't want is I don't want to send an email on a Saturday morning to a customer. So I write my emails, I click send later, I set it to go say at 11 a.m. on Monday morning, so it hits that inbox at the perfect time. Maybe you're going to be gone to a trade show, use Boomerang to send later to do that. Now, if you're using Outlook, you can use delayed delivery, okay, use delayed delivery inside of your Outlook setup, and I think it's under options, insert options, and you're able to find then either delayed delivery, which can work great as well. Another tool that I use often in Gmail is canned responses, canned responses. In Outlook, it's called quick parts, okay? In Outlook, it's called quick parts. So what I do a lot of times, I use templates, lots and lots and lots of templates. And you can tell I sell every day, just like all of you, okay? I'm not just a trainer, teacher, coach. I sell all the time. So I sell within a lot of different industries, the equestrian industry, um, the citrus industry, the aviation industry. I work with all these sales clients. All right, software. So what I'm going to do with quick parts or with canned responses, I'm going to load my prospecting templates. So Julie and David, what you might consider is loading your prospecting templates in quick parts in Outlook or in Gmail under canned responses that allows you to quickly prospect people without writing the same email over and over and over again. Now, some people say, well, Ryan, why don't you just go to your sent mail find the previous email you sent, and then copy it and paste it into the current email. Well, think about what you just said. That's like nine clicks. With canned responses or quick parts, I can insert quickly right into my email exactly what I want to say. If you have written an email more than twice, create a template for it, my friends. Create templates. They will save you time in prospecting, reports, anything that people ask you for on a regular basis really use that technology to your advantage. Now, one of the last ones that I use, and there's an automate, uh, it's called automate inside Outlook, um, but it's also called if no reply, if no reply in Gmail, is two tools I love to automate email. So if I'm reaching out, so Julie and David, this applies specifically to you and your questions today. If I'm going to send a series of four emails to a prospect to potentially get some type of response from them, I'm going to use automate or if no reply to set up the four or five emails in sequence in sequence to get ready to go. So I can set on a Monday the first email to go. 
And if they don't reply, I can set the second email to go then on Thursday, three business days later. Then I can set the third email to go the next Tuesday, and then the fourth email to go the next Friday. And with if no reply, I can fill in all those blanks. I can schedule the time, and I can also load a template. We can do the same thing with Outlook and Automate. There's a lot of apps and plugins for Outlook and Gmail that can help you in big, big, massive, robust ways. I'm naming just a few that I use on a, on a regular basis. Using technology to your advantage is something that will benefit your sales life forever. It's going to change it overnight. Use technology to help you automate the sales process, and I think you're going to have some great success. So, Renee, those are the most common tools that I use. There's literally hundreds that are out there. I'm not paid by any of those companies. I use those products. I pay for those products, and I enjoy those products. Now, I use Gmail uh, more than I use Outlook. And I use it in my browser because I don't want to fool with, with clients, uh, with an email client. And I've had some great success uh, with it. So I really encourage you uh, to check those out, Renee. And I hope you find them to be exceedingly helpful. Because, you know, you know, email is a part of our sales life. It just, uh, it just really is. So Julie, David, Renee, thank you so much. Uh, for what you do to uh, send those for sending those emails uh, over to us and those questions. And if you've got a question you'd love for us to answer here on the show, reach out to us. we get several thousand people that listen to the podcast and maybe now we're going to start watching uh, the podcast here on YouTube as well. All right, so why do we do this podcast? Why are we recording these videos uh, for YouTube? Our goal is simple. We want to train your team. We want to coach you or your team. That's what we do at Sales Training World. We've partnered with some of the biggest companies uh, all around the industry, we, uh, the country and the world. We serve 20 different industries from media to aviation to finance to manufacturing to street sales skills. We cover it all. We'd love to come to your office or we'd love to coach your teams. So check us out over at salestrainingworld.com. It's not as expensive as you might think uh, to bring in our team uh, to train. Or maybe you need a sales speaker at one of your uh, next conferences. Uh, check that out and uh, we're happy to come and, and be a part of your conference and make your conference or your next sales meeting a raging success. All right, friends, don't forget, if sales was easy, everybody be doing it, and they're not. So we're probably crazy, um, but we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. Reach out to us, John, Clay, myself over at salestrainingworld.com. If we can be of help for you, uh, we'd love to be there for you in any capacity, coaching, training, consulting, compensation plans, you name it reach out to us. All right, friends, thanks so much for joining us. The next podcast is going to be about nine universal truths of clients. So if you're trying to figure out your clients and, and get in intimate with them, uh, check that out. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and check us out on Google Play and all those other platforms. All right, that's it. We'll see you over at salestrainingworld.com. God bless. We'll see you out in the street. Get out there and sell something so that your boss can afford to bring us in, would you? <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next month. Bye-bye.